Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to episode 356, Tyler Hubbard, the lead singer of Florida Georgia Line. Now just the lead singer, period. No more Florida Georgia Line. Well, after this fall, they're going to finish up some shows. He's like, I don't, we're done. I don't want to do it anymore. And we'll readdress. And I think he says five to ten years. So it's a good talk. We talked for over an hour. He's very honest about stuff, which I completely respect. And we got to it. And at some point, I go, hey, what's, what's the deal? Why'd you guys break up? I hear it was political. He addresses all of it. Got to give him credit. He came in. We talked about all of his backstory, which I always think is great when people are very open and generous about that. And then we talked about Florida Georgia Line. So we also talked about his new music, which is very important to him. This is his new song called Five Foot Nine. God makes five foot nine brown eyes and a sundress. Also felt like it was interesting when he came to Nashville. He didn't really know what he was here to do. He rode motorcycles. He talks about it. So Tyler Hubbard, the lead singer of Florida Georgia Line. I encourage you to check out his new music as well. You know, that's what brought him in. But again, very open and honest about the whole situation with FGL. So enjoy this. Thank you for listening to the Bobbycast. If you don't mind, please go and do the thing where you give us all the stars and write a nice review because that actually helps. And we appreciate that. And we're just a a little mom and pop podcast just getting off the ground. Really, we are. All right, thank you guys. Here's Tyler Hubbard. Hey, something I was going to ask. I was talking to Aldine briefly, and he was—he had a real nice watch on. What do you yeah. need? We need gum? Trash can? Yeah, yeah I might not be a chomping in your microphone. You would be surprised. That's very <laughs> mature of you. You'd be surprised at how many people will come in and chew gum the whole time. Well, And then at the end go, oh, should I not have been chewing gum? And the whole time it's in, in the mic going. If I hadn't put my cans on, I might not, I might not have thought about it, but then I... <laughs> There I was, just chewing away. I was talking to, and Aldi had a nice watch on, and I think I asked him mm. off the air, <laughs> and I was like, we, I, we were just talking about watches. I guess it's something that people do that never had money, and then you get money all of a sudden a little bit, and you're like, I guess I need a nice watch now. because <laughs> We were talking about watches, and we didn't know a lot about it, and he goes, 
Garth gave me this one. And I said, Garth, Garth gave you a Rolex? He said, yeah. I said, will you talk about this? He goes, yeah, sure. So I want to make sure it was cool to talk about that on the air. Yeah. And we hopped on and I said, hey, Jason just said Garth gave him this Rolex. I said, so what's the story? And he said, well, I, I hopped on the Garth, like maybe like a, a tribute album or a duet album or something. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. And he said, Garth showed up. He goes, but heck, he showed up to the FGL guy's house with free Jeeps. Yeah, well, the Jeep and a motor, he gave me a motorcycle and gave BK a Jeep. Isn't that crazy? So what happened? <clears throat> so how Jason made it sound is like he's like the Easter Bunny and he just shows up <laughs> and he's got stuff. A hundred percent, just like the Easter Bunny. So I was in the middle. Know, you of, didn't know he was coming or anything. Nope. BK and I were on Music Row in our uh, building in the middle of a right, and uh, our manager at the time walked in and said, "Hey, uh, Garth Brooks just randomly showed up and wants to see you guys. He's actually out <laughs> in the street, and uh, he's got like a trailer behind his truck." So we went out there and saw him. And hey, Garth, how are you? Holy cow, good to, good to see you. I don't even know if we'd I think we'd met him briefly before, but that was like the first time really hanging at all. And he was like, well, I, you know, thank you for being on this project with me. I think at the time it wasn't supposed to come out, or he was bummed because it wasn't. So he felt bad or something. He was also thankful. He was like, thank you for, you know, doing this with me. I actually got you a Jeep BK, and Tyler, I hear you like motorcycles. So I got you a little something. It was an awesome Indian motorcycle. And then he just closes up the trailer. He was by himself, drove his truck, uh, parked it right in the middle of Music Row, unloaded the toys, and then... Closed his trailer up and drove off and hit a, hit a sign on the way off. This was <laughs> the best part of the whole thing. But anyways, I mean, that, Garth, is that the me too? And I am lucky enough now to have some really cool experiences with someone that is somehow human and somehow still is the biggest. I mean, selling art, American artists of all time. I mean, it's two, the juxtaposition of those two things is like almost shouldn't exist. How sweet and kind he is, yeah. but. Uh, also, he's like the biggest, most successful. But it's person nice in music. to see that you can actually be cool and genuine and authentic and kind and still be successful, right? I mean, because sometimes I think people think they have to put on a front or they, you know, or or, or be an image or a certain persona or whatever to maybe to maybe be successful. But it's nice. I love. I get so inspired by watching Garth. I watch his stadium show and I'm just like, dude, he he makes everybody in this place feel special. And he doesn't stop for no. the whole show. Also inspired by that, yeah. I'm like, bro, he's he's in better shape than I am, and he's 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 crushing it. So I'm I'm ready to uh, yeah, be more like Garth. That's my mo. It's interesting talking about attitudes of folks because sitting where I sit, both in this chair and then you know trying to do my own things, if it's in the TV world or or write books or whatever, you know, getting to be on both sides of it. It's why mostly new artists, and it's it's the cycle, and I see it over and over again. So it's you kind of know what to expect from folks. Mostly new artists are very humble, and just happy to be there and exhausted, right? Because yeah, <clears throat> sounds about right. They're running hard, but when there's that threshold that's crossed into, you got a number one, you're working on your number two. It's almost like they go, okay, I have to kind of act like something. Like I gotta, I have to act like a other star than now. Tired. Other than yeah. just tired. <laughs> yes, they they gotta, they feel like they gotta put on a, some sort of semi front because that's the expectation they think is on them. And so that's when I've seen even some of my friends, heck, even probably me early on, go, all right, I, I gotta be way cooler than I really am. I gotta be, and that's when it kind of goes mm. into, mm, maybe I don't like them much right now because they're trying to be something. Mm. And I even put that on myself a little bit, especially the, my first few years here. Uh, but then once again, there's another threshold of success where they're just cool again. 
mm-hmm. because they realize that one, this is fleeting. Yeah. I mean, so much. Totally. Uh, two, it's not real. Like the success that you have and the you know the people that you touch, but like, what it what is this? I mean, you can't right. touch it. It's not, Fundamentally, um, it probably doesn't change you that much. It doesn't. Really. At the end of the day, you're like, oh, it just, you know, yeah, maybe so I'm not they quite go about- as stressed, but it's not really changing who I am. I almost wonder if one of those stages that you talk about almost pushes you or forces you into like a cool self-discovery stage of life where you're like, you know what, like, I, who am I other than just the, the person that's in grind mode all the time figuring out how I'm going to pay my bills and hanging out with my buddies, you know what I mean? And then it's like, okay, how do I manage life with, it just it forced me into like sort of like how do I manage life with uh, less stress but more stress in different areas, you know. And then it was like, well, how do I manage life being a homeowner? Well, how do I manage life being a husband? And then it was just like, you know, it kind of it kind of uh, at least for me personally it forced me into kind of like growing up as well as more self discovery, you know. Yeah, I think due to how I grew up in my personal life, there are parts of me that had to grow up really early, like mm-hmm. thirteen, right? Yeah. But I think now I'm just into some of that area where I'm just married and I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> totally. And not just the married thing, but also the I've just been so selfish in I've only been focused on me. Yeah. Now, not selfish in keeping everything. I, I, I think for me it's a bit of the opposite of that. But it's like I've only been focused on me and it's really hard and I'm trying to figure out who mm. I am as like a human. Right. Because I've never had to figure it out because I've only just had me to care about and I just cared about working and, and breaking right. that cycle. Yeah. And so as you say that, it resonates with me. I'm going, man, my wife's like trying to get me there too. Right. And she's like, I don't just value you for your job. As a matter right. of fact, I don't care anything about it. Like right. <laughs> we cannot do it. We, we're good. Um, so we, I struggle with that, but I have her as kind of a shepherd to lead me through, and and yeah. it gets a bit. It's uncomfortable for me at times, yeah, because I'm working 15, 16 hours a day, right. and she's like, "You got to chill out, yeah. man." It's been Did, a journey, man. With you, me. what about yeah, you and Haley? Like, because you guys' success <clears throat> hit hard, yeah, quick, totally. No, I can totally relate to you because those years, those those first, you know, five, six, seven years, from probably two thousand twelve to two thousand sixteen. I guess that's not that many years, but yeah. It was 100% grind mode, only thinking about work, getting to the next show, paying the next bill, you know, figuring it out, and uh, eventually getting to that point of a little bit of comfortable, a little bit of success. And then, and then, uh, yeah, navigating this season now has been, I mean, it continues to change and evolve in, in different responsibilities and priorities. But for me, it's really, uh, just checking myself on like keeping a balance, man. You know what I mean? And and that's always shifting too. So that's why I say it's been a journey. It's like, well, once Haley came into my life and then and then like you said, you realize, oh man, my all my value isn't in just what I do or just the songs I write or the shows I play. Um and really that's not what I want my whole life to be about. You start thinking about building, you know, or for me it was about kind of building a legacy and starting a family and, you know, what's the next chapter? What's the next chapter? And so uh so yeah, and I'm still growing and learning, and I mean we're still young. We've been married. We just celebrated seven years, and uh, we have three kids. And essentially, I'm starting a brand new career. So it's very, it's very much still that in the career and the things that I'm doing for work is very much enjoyable for me. I love doing what I do. So, like you said, I can catch. Them. If I'm not careful, I'll I'll definitely overwork. You know, um, but it's pretty quick that that I'm aware. Like, all right, you need you need to chill out this week, or you know, find a better balance. I definitely want to talk to you about having to, in a sense, start over. Not not all the way, 
Because mm-hmm. you do have uh, some equity. Starting over with benefits. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. You definitely have some equity, but you are doing a lot of things uh, in a start over way. So I want to get to that in a second. Uh, just, you know, talking about humans and having to grow and weird. This one of the scariest things to me, and it, it is a bit counterintuitive. One of the scariest things to me was money because I didn't know anything about it. Never had it. Was scared of it. Was scared of, I started to make it. Scared I was going to screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I look at my first three or four years here, I mean, that to me, scare uh, money and people that were just wanting to hang out with me because they thought they could use it as a as a way to get ahead. Mm-hmm. But the money thing was wild to me. Never saw it. Didn't know anybody who ever had it, so I didn't right. know who to talk to. Right. I, and so I'm I'm having to figure out who can I even ask for advice on how, where to get advice. Yeah. So again, when you guys were launched out of a cannon, more so than almost anybody that I've seen in my 10 years here, mm-hmm. um, that seemed from the outside in like it came quick like that success and all of a sudden all of a sudden you're you're rich and it's just like what's happened yeah i mean i can totally relate to that i tell the story occasionally i might have told you this story but i'll never forget one of the pivotal moments that i'll never forget i'll tell my kids but i remember being over in barry hill recording our first album and we were literally working on cruise um which you know who'd have known at the time that that song was going to do what it did um and I was coming back from lunch, and I was sitting in the parking lot literally checking my bank account, and I had $12 left in, in my bank account, which was, you know, and at the time, you know, I didn't I didn't have uh, a resource to go to other than what where's the next car I'm going to wash, you know, and so for me, I knew the next day I can't go to the studio because I got to go work because I'm, I'm down to pretty much one meal left. And so, and that was in 2011. I mean, that was right before it all took off, and I, that's kind of the, that's all I sort of knew for, you know, college was like that, obviously, and that's kind of like that for a lot of people. And then that that was three years out of college. So, I'm, you know, I'm sitting there with a degree and, and just grinding and trying to figure it out and really just trying to not get a real job so that I can uh, – or continue to be self-employed, I should say, so that I can pursue songwriting, you know, because that was the ultimate goal. But, yeah, I mean, to think from that year, I mean, a year after that, I mean, the stress level went way down and the money was – coming in and it was like oh man the the patience and the and the uh and the grind was starting to pay off and but yeah then there was that point of like okay how do i manage money you talk about college cool. when you went into college your freshman year what what did you think was going to happen to you upon graduation oh or what did you I want actually what had, did you think i actually honestly my freshman year of college i had no idea i just knew that i wanted to be far away from home to where it wasn't like a weekend trip or you know it wasn't like I, it wasn't 30 minutes away, which was UGA, which was where a lot of my friends went, um, or even an hour away. So, And I'd come to Nashville once or twice and as a uh, a little bit younger and knew that I liked Nashville. And I just thought, well, great place to go to school. Um, Why did you come here? Was it just a fan? Well, I knew uh, Belmont had a music business program. No, no, like as a kid. Like, was it just a family vacation? Oh, no, it was in... Uh, or was it? Actually, it was in high school. It was for uh, a passion conference, which is like a big Christian conference that... Chris Tomlin and a bunch of the guys play at, and uh, I came up here for that. That was a that was a pretty big moment. Where I was like, I love this town. I mean, we were de- staying downtown. And yeah, I wonder when you kind of fell in love with it. So a that was part of it. And then there was a trip where we came up here with my parents too, and I believe that was in middle school. And I just remember being like on Music Row, and I just have like cool memories of of just being like, wow, there's a lot of history in Nashville. This is a cool cool. T-. At the time, it wasn't a big city. It didn't feel like a big city. It was like it was a big city for me, but. 
a large town, you know, and it was, I really liked it. So you go to college here, you're a freshman, and freshman's always interesting because, yeah, in, a, in many ways you're lost. Even if you kind of know, you're still lost because mm-hmm. the road's very long ahead of you. Well, okay, what did you think you were going to major in if you didn't Well, know? honestly, the only thing that get, got me even interested in going to college was, well, first of all, I felt like I was going to miss out because originally I wasn't going to go to college. I thought I was going to be like my dad and I was just going to work for myself and I owned a car detailing business that I just thought, you know, I'll just work for myself and I'll just grow this business and, you know. And then I started seeing friends going to college visits and doing the thing, and I went to a few visits, and I was like, oh, this is like this is not like high school. This feels like freedom and fun, and I don't really like school, but I think college would probably be pretty fun. So what am I interested in enough to get me through four more years of school? Music. You know, I had started playing in church, and I thought songwriting was interesting. I did not know at the time that that was actually, actually a career. Um but I thought music music holds my attention, and I'm I'm intrigued by it right now, and I enjoy it. So maybe if I study music and can still get a business degree, I could potentially work for myself or do whatever that may lead. So only place that had it was like Butler and Belmont or something like that. So I thought Nashville's perfect. If I get into Belmont, that's my sign. I'm going to Nashville. So I ended up getting in um, by the grace of God some, somehow. And, were you uh, a good student? Because you're shaking your head like maybe you were. I was decent, but I never, I, it was honestly a surprise when I got in. I didn't have the kind of grades, you know, and I wasn't like a superior athlete, you know, or anything like that. So I really just took it as a sign, like, all right, that's where you're supposed to go. Came up here and realized, oh, pretty quickly, I don't know, my freshman year, well, actually, I first realized that everyone at Belmont was super good, super talented. They were all into music or nursing, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was fairly intimidated. And I also have this thing about me where whenever everyone else is doing something, I tend to, I tend to really steer away and want to do something else. So I kind of did. I kind of put my guitar away for the first few years and just sort of hung out with uh, athletes and uh, rode my motorcycle around campus and just sort of had you know kind of jumped around different crews and hung out with a bunch of people. And one of the things my dad told me when I went to college was. Really good advice, I think, looking back now, was, hey, I don't care if you make straight A's. I want you to pass your classes. But the most important thing I want you to do is get to know everybody in that school. And uh, so that's kind of what I did, man. And then uh, once I realized songwriting was a, a career and that that's something, I was like, okay, that's what I want to pursue. That's what I want to do. You said something where, and I and I probably do it for a different reason, I'm not sure, but you said you see everybody doing one thing that makes you want to do another and so I have a similar thing, but I, I, after lots of therapy, I think it's because I'm so insecure that I'm not going to be as good as everybody else that's doing yeah. the So I go, yeah. I'm just going to be cool and do this other thing. In reality, I'm going, man, I'm not as good as them. Right. So I don't want to get involved and feel even lesser than. So that's 100%. me. Is yeah. it, it is, I think that was me. I mean, there wasn't too many people riding around on crotch rockets at Belmont and, uh, Especially being silly on them, you know, and I thought, well, I'll be, I'll be the cool guy that pops wheelies on campus. Nobody else is doing that. Come to find out, it wasn't as cool as I thought it was. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that I think you're right. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Where it's like, man, there's maybe I'll hide out in my dorm room, which I didn't do. I didn't do until later on, but uh, and try to get better. But there's a lot of great people in this school, and I'm I'm not trying to embarrass myself. Who did you meet that's still here, and maybe nobody? But was there anybody at school at the time that you're like, okay, uh, you're good, and we kind of feel the same way about things. Let's be friends and. Uh, they're still hanging around in the business somehow. You know, the first person I met when I went to Belmont uh, is a guy named Jason Nix. Do you know who that mm-hmm. is? Man, he's an awesome guy, huge songwriter. Actually just had a big number one last year, and uh, 
and so he's still like in the mix you know we're still we still hang when we see each other it's just like um throwback man i love jason nix and then one of my best friends kanan smith is also a friend from we probably met sophomore year but he was one of my best friends in college and still to this day yeah. we're, you know really close um but there's a there's a it's been fun man i mean a lot of the people i went to school with are kind of venturing out and doing different things um some of my friends are playing with cc winans who was you know <clears throat> you know yeah just a bunch of different circles in nashville it's, it's really cool to see you start focusing more on songwriting uh, focusing a good word yeah Le- trying to learn also yeah. actively getting better at the same time yeah writing occasionally yeah yeah right, so. so what were you doing more than uh, all through college were you playing a little bit or were you writing no, more i really wasn't playing much man i was sort of just goofing off and 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 having fun uh and you know working out playing basketball intramural basketball and just kind of doing the normal thing occasionally i would start writing in my dorm room by myself and just because it was kind of therapeutic for me. Um, and I lost my dad my sophomore year, so there was probably a lot of uh, shifts going on and needing to express emotions and feelings. And so I, I started probably doing some songwriting on my own, but it really wasn't until junior or senior year, you know, when I when I really started writing and thinking, all right, I'll, I really want to pursue getting a publishing deal. Because I knew I had four years to figure it out. I knew I wanted to graduate college. Um, not that I thought my career was going to take off so drastically that I was going to have to drop out, but I did know like Thomas Red and guys that did that. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to, I at least want to graduate. Um, so I'll buy myself some time and just have a good time in the meantime and sort of not put too much pressure on myself. Um, but my senior year for sure, I knew, all right, I don't want to wash cars too many years if I can help it. And if I could pay the bills and write songs, that's the ultimate for me. So when did you start to feel like you were good enough, not to be great, but good enough to be good enough to pay the bills? Well, we started, I would say, senior year. Um, I ran into BK, and at that time, I was starting to play, like, writer's rounds and stuff. I was starting to get enough courage to, like, get out, and I had written a handful of songs that I was proud enough to play at writer's rounds. So I started kind of doing that and starting to, uh, I wouldn't say getting a buzz, trying you know, trying to get a buzz going, but starting to have some people that would believe in me and um, <clears throat> that I met BK, and we started doing our thing together and writing songs and playing writer's rounds together. Where'd you meet him? Um, at Belmont. Yeah, yeah, he played baseball. And uh, so we kind of connected dots and realized, oh, we both like writing songs on the side. We both, let's get together and hang and see where it goes. And so we started playing like Hotel Indigo together quite a bit. Um, As and, a unit <clears throat> or just Tyler and At Brian? first it was just me and BK and then like we would get another writer or two. We'd just do like a round. And then eventually as we wrote more songs together, we had enough to be like, hey, let's just me and you do the round. I'll sing some of yours. You sing some of mine. We'll sing the ones we did together. And then... And then, uh, and then eventually we ended up like, why don't we pull the stools away and stand up and <laughs> turn into like a, you know. But it uh, never was, a, it would never was, we're now, a, we're, we're going to go and pursue this from ground zero. Because um, it sounds like you're writing together. I would say after college, we graduated. We had a handful of songs we had written. We knew we loved writing songs. We knew we started to really enjoy playing them in these writer's rounds. And we thought, why don't we, um, why don't we spend the next couple years and just, I have a trailer, you have a you have a Tahoe, and let's just travel the southeast and see if we can book some shows. And so that's what we did. We started calling clubs and acting like we were booking agents, and we had this band <laughs> that would come, and they... Did you have a different name? <clears throat> did, did you name it different things? No, we, we, we landed it on Florida Georgia Line pretty quick. Um, but that was when, 
It was one night after a Hotel Indigo Riders round where we were hanging out and drinking with some friends at the house, and somebody said, "Hey, you guys should start a, you guys should make a name and and start a thing, you know." And that's what. Well, what would it be? Well, let's re- you know, let's have something that represents who we are and where we're from, and that was about <laughs> that was about as simple as it was, and it stuck. So, does it feel like as you look back and you know you can sit in remembering it? You really can't sit when it's coming at you so fast. You know, like you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. Because even when you're grinding and you're not making any money, you're going extra hard. Um, does it feel like it hits you fast? Definitely in times it did. Once 2012 hit, it, it definitely did. You know, Cruise was out. It started taking off. And then... Uh, but taking off. like I mean, it... it yeah. Again, outside in. I'm talking just from my perspective. And I was back... I was in the pop world at the time. Mm. And I... The Nelly version, we were playing it on our station. Oh, and yeah. I was like, God dang, this... I mean... Out of nowhere, it was yeah. just massive. All right. You're living it, so probably didn't feel out of nowhere to you, but did it feel like a rocket ship? It did feel fast, you know? We didn't have anything to compare it to. Yeah, I guess that's my question. Years, it's but, like, but, you know, there was times where it didn't feel fast either because we, we were determined not to get on a tour bus until we could afford one. And so we were in a, you know, there was a time we were on the Country Throwdown tour in the on the in the summer of 2012, we were the only band in a van driving ourselves around the country, following this tour, and we were the barbecue band, and we were roughing it, and it was a long summer. So yeah, I would say at times it felt like forever, and we had you know we we couldn't get there fast enough. But looking back now, it's like holy cow, that was super fast. Were you guys and forgive me for once it hit not being completely educated on this part of it, but were you guys signed whenever you wrote and recorded Cruise? Or did you? Was that song? Did it hit and like go and get played on? Because streaming wasn't a thing. Get played on satellite, yeah, and then everybody. It's a bidding war. Then is yeah, that what, what happened? It, it took off on its own before we got signed, and then it was a, uh, and then it was a bidding war. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. And we were also, I mean, nothing against being in town and doing the coming here and trying to get a deal first thing, but we we literally had a like a motto that was like, hey, we don't need a record deal. We're going to do this on our own. And when when we do need a record deal. The record labels will be here, and they'll be asking us to sign. So when we when they start coming to us, then we'll know. And then they started, and then yeah, it all took off, and they all started coming, and I, and we were just looking at each other the whole time. We still had this kind of attitude, like man, like we're doing it on our own. If y'all want to join us and do it our way, then let's go. But we're, I mean, at that point, we were rocking. You know what I mean? And they were, and they could see dollar signs, so they came running, and we were just kind of like ah. But you know, it's part of the part of the process. Have but it was t- nice to build the fan base and build our thing and have that confidence with going into signing a record deal. Yeah, and you know? be able to say this is who we are. You're not really going to change it yeah. because we have leverage. I was scared of that too. Yeah. I was very much, you know, you hear all the horror stories, and we were we were so scared of that. So we were just like, nah, we're not. <laughs> we don't want to play the game. Well, I mean, the truth is, I'm British and I had to change to come to country. So I'm, now I act like I'm from Arkansas. But they made me. They signed me before, and they're like, "You're now going to be a hillbilly." And I was like, "Okay." So <laughs> you guys didn't have to go through that, so that's good. Is it? Let us be us. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. 
You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Have you um, played any shows by as you by yourself yet? I played one show, yeah. Weird? Uh, no. It was a little... I was definitely nervous. But once I got up there, it felt... It wasn't too weird. It felt really good. It was a Spotify house show and during the CMA Fest. So it was a small show um, at Old Red. Did part... I guess was part of you... I mean, it just feels natural. You've done it so many times. Like, you didn't have anybody right there. Right. You've had, I mean, that safety net or not always a net, that per, that's not there, you know? Yeah, I would say it felt different for sure. Um, it was a small stage, so it probably didn't feel as odd as it may feel on a big stage. But I still had my band, and uh, the crowd was basically right on top of me too. So it was, you know, it just felt like a big party, and it felt natural. And How long was the set? Fun. It was like... Uh, it was only a 30-minute set, too. So it was easy, quick. It was also a little nerve-wracking because all these songs were brand new. You yeah. know, I never played them, and I'm just like, all right, uh, here we go. But it was a, it was a, good, it was a good, uh, good first show. The analogy that I feel is, you know, I do my, my morning show, and I got, these are all my friends. Right. Had, you know, never done radio. We've all, we come up all together. I brought them with me. 
um, similar, you know, to you guys. You did this together from college, and then I go on stage and I'll do an hour of stand up at a theater, and you're just you're just alone. Yeah. And when it when it's going right, it's oh, it's freaking easy because right. you're just killing. And it's going right. You don't need any. But whenever things there's no there's nobody there, and I'm in for a while when I first started really pursuing doing comedy or doing you know motivational talks right, right when things would crack or there'd be an audio problem or i would bomb a joke i was used to going and being like well how about the, and getting some but it wasn't there right. and so i wonder you know since you've been doing it so long because that'll happen at some point right yeah and you, of course it's a, it's a really interesting scary but awesome feeling once it happens a couple times and you're like oh yeah no no i'll survive like, yeah i'm good you're yeah. like you're like yeah i'm good so that'll be that'll be fun because you're going out on the Keith tour, yep. which I saw, and that's a that's a lot of people. It's a much yeah. bigger stage, a whole lot of people, yeah. and I guess you still have your band, right? Right. Do you I have do. all the guys? Do Most of have... the guys. Um, Tom, our bass player, moved on and ended up taking a gig with Luke Bryan, so he's he's rocking. But uh, yeah, all the same guys minus him, and uh, it just feels right, you know. When and after this fall, we'll be we'll be in a groove, but this fall will be the, you know, it'll be fun because it's it's like. It's all brand new and all exciting. And yeah, like you said, there's that added fear or nervousness or excitement or whatever the feeling is or all the above that you're like, okay, yeah, it's going to be different. I don't have BK there. You know, we're not playing off each other. And um, But but the crowd's there still. And to be honest, if they're there, it's like, man, that's it's easier to play off them than anybody else. So I'll probably be leaning on them quite a bit, you know. And the Keith. Keith, I know. I think Ingrid's on the tour too. Yeah, Ingrid. Are, so where are you, are you playing? Is it Ingrid, you, Keith? Yep. And then how long as the main support? How long do you get a set there? Sixty minutes set. You get an hour. Wow. Yeah. That's jumping right in the deep They're end. Rocking. Yeah. So when you, jeez, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Because you have to, you have to get it quick. That's, yeah, we'll be. Br- yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I say after this fall tour, like I'll be ready. For wow. Yeah. So when you play your sixty minute set. And they're like, here's Tyler Hubbard. Obviously, I was talking to Ronnie Dunn this morning about it because he, you know, he's like, he's like, I gotta, I'm gonna go out and play some shows for my solo spot yeah. now. And he's like, but I'll always play some of the Brooks and Dunn's. Always. He's like, it doesn't matter. Like people know me from that. I gotta stay true to that, even though I'm gonna right. do this new project. He's, I think it comes out next Friday. And you know, he says, kicks the same thing. Like there's right. a there's a respect and appreciation. We go out. So what is your goal there? Because regardless of, let's say you have 20 number ones in a row, you're still part of. Florida Georgia Line, mm-hmm. how you were introduced to folks. Right. So is your dream to not play those songs solo? No. I, no. It'll all be kind of depending on the amount of time that I have. But I definitely want to have a moment in the show that'll probably be uh, rooted in my songwriting. You know, and I'll get to play some, we can call them covers now, but songs that I've written, whether it's an Al Dean song or, um, you know, any of the songs I've written or FGL songs, you know, so like Cruise and Meant to Be and Little Bit, for example, like we could just take those three and say, all right, I'm just going to. And I'd also just like to pay. Yeah, I want, I want in my show, I wanted to tell my story, and that's a big part of my story. So, I, you know, and in, in being a part of writing those songs. And so I think it'll be fun to, you know, within the context of telling my story, go in and play a few FGL songs. But ultimately, I don't know if the key set's going to allow it because we were having rehearsal last week and we were kind of working through it and we're like, man. You know, we've we've worked up like thirteen of the new songs, and it's just like really hard to not want to play those new ones. And so, uh, so I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do yet. Whether whether or not we're going to play, 
you know, some covers in the 60 minute set or wait and do that, you know, next year. But we'll see. I mean, there's it's, it's medley. That's the word. I know, a little medley. You Just do a, a little verse chorus. Yeah, do a four, four minute, 15 mm-hmm. second medley of four or five songs. And so people are like, oh, yeah, he did. I remember well, I went to REM once um, and I was super pumped because I didn't get to see R- the REM was, you know, when I was young, young, REM was massive, mm-hmm. and, you know, early 90s. And so then they kind of went off and they came back and I was like, Heck yeah, I'm gonna go watch REM and I had great seats and they never played one of their older oh, songs. Oh man. And I was like, what? Out. I was like, what just happened here? Yeah. I didn't get one <laughs> one hit. And if they had just played a medley for like four minutes yeah, yeah, yeah. of what's frequency Kenneth or everybody, I'd have been okay. But that's good feedback to have as I'm trying to figure it out, you know. But just I just left going, I spent all these years listening to so much right. of their music. I just needed a nibble. Right. I just wanted just to a little, feel a little bit of that. That's it. Yeah, so I'm going to play some of these songs here because you're putting them out pretty consistent. Every time I look, you got a new song coming out. Yeah. It's like Tyler Harper's got a new song. Uh, I think you got three out now? Yeah, right. three's out. Let's play Five Foot Nine, and then this is the single, right? Yeah, this, this is, is the single. All right, here you go. God makes five foot nine brown eyes and a sundress looks in the grow and a small town accent ain't no way So, as this is a single, like, uh, who, who are you with label-wise? Uh, Universal. Okay, that's not the same label. <clears throat> yep, new label, new management. So, yeah. what's that new, the whole switch? Everything, yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. The the management switch, I mean, the label switch is significant, but even the management switch, because that's who's with, that's every day. Yeah, and that was a big, um, that was a big need for me. I mean, to be honest, you know, the last couple years of the FGL thing, you know, was pretty um, undermanaged, and I knew... I think my biggest fear and my biggest hesitation in doing any of this solo stuff um, before I met my new management team was was just that, like that I'd be feeling alone, you know, that I'd be trying to do it, micromanage every little aspect of it. And you know how many aspects there are and how many moving parts, and it's, it's impossible for one person to do so. I met them, and I felt so much more equipped and supported, and actually, like, that was when I actually decided, like, all right, I, I'm going to do this. I can do this. So If... Uh, to the folks listening, I didn't know what a manager was either until I had to have one. And so even today, I did a, I did a radio show, and then we did my kids' books out, and so we did a whole online signing, and then I'm here. So, but my hmm. manager oversees all that. Everything that I possibly yep. do, it doesn't matter in what world it's in, what space it's in. Like they are part of every, where your labels, your music, right? But my manager's dealing with the tour, the little. Mm-hmm. So that is such a intimate. That's a, that's a person you have to really trust or people you have to really trust. Yep. But it's a very intimate part of your career and even your personal life, honestly, yeah. because it is someone who's very close to you. So, you, I mean, that's a lot of change. Yeah, man. How do you pick a new label? <clears throat> well, the, uh, my manager helped me navigate that, you know, and we um, we only we knew that it was between a couple, you know, and then we, we just uh, took a couple meetings, and I, I honestly just felt really at home, you know, um, Met with Mike Duncan over there and uh, played the music and their level of excitement, you know, uh, just, uh, you know. And then after meeting their whole team, I was like, yeah, this feels this feels like the right team and, and the right um, the right move for me. Um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty simple. It was actually a lot more, a lot less complicated than it had been in the past. I'd so. be so neurotic. I'd be, be every, I, I'd be so neurotic about everything. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah, I just. 
Like I, I hole up with people, even professionally, to my detriment sometimes. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. You haven't stolen from me. You haven't stabbed me. We're good forever. Yeah. And that that again, I and at times that's not good for me. So I commend you for just going. All right, this feels good. It feels natural. Let's go. Because yeah. I I'm I don't have that growth yet. And there were you know there was there were people that uh, I mean everybody in my previous career, if you want to call it that, my last ten years at FGL chapter, they were great. But a, but a lot of people I think um, had a difficult time. Uh, fully wrapping their head around the fact that we were moving on and doing different things and had a hard time with the transition and or or accepting the transition in general. So I think it was necessary and beneficial just to have um, kind of a clean table to be able to rebuild a little bit. New eyes, new ears, new perspective. Yeah. Because new you have new eyes, new ears, and new perspective For now. For sure. So you need... The team's got to match it. Yeah. You know? uh, 35s. When you're writing, I'm assuming you wrote all these songs I for did. your first project. I did, okay. yeah. So <laughs> you've written as a writer for others, mm-hmm. and sometimes probably specifically for people. Right. right. You've written as a writer just trying to write a great song. Right. You don't know where it's going to land. You've also written for you, but you wrote for you as part of a unit. Right. So when it comes to, you're now creating in a different way, but my question is, did you write these songs for just you, or are they just really good songs you thought are for me? So like half the album, um, we ended up recording 18 songs total so far. So I'd say about half of those were songs that I had written previously, either for somebody or like you said, just to write a write a song and see where it lands. And uh, several of them are songs that I pitched to other artists or that um, you know they got passed on and it just stuck around in my phone and 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 even started to resonate even more with me and become more true to who I was. And I was just like, once I accepted and and kind of decided that I was going to put an album together. There was a handful of them that I was like, yeah, this these belong on my project, you know. So, uh, so there was that, and then once I made that mental shift into knowing that this is what I was doing, my writing changed. Where it was like I'd go to a room and they would say, "Who are we writing for?" and I would say, "Me," as opposed to you know whoever. And uh, and it, it was cool because then I got to really dive into uh, a little bit more of that, like I mentioned, like self exploration and really what do I want to say? How do I want to tell my story? And, you know, how do I want to... Now I can connect with fans on a deeper level and I, they can get to know me more, like you said, more of who I am personally and individually as opposed to a band or a brand. Did uh, you feel more vulnerable when writing for just you? Yeah, I think so. But I try not to also overthink it. And ultimately, we were still just trying to write great songs, but I was trying to integrate my own personal... uh you know, stories or inspiration in, into them. And so, uh, yeah, there were times where I definitely felt more vulnerable. Um, but it was, I think that's necessary when you're writing a lot of these kind of songs. I think, again, just outside in perspective, I think if you're writing, because I've written books that are specifically about me, and I know that's about me, and I'm, everybody's going to know that's about me. If I'm writing with other people and it's really about me, I can always just act like it's not. I mean, if, right. as long as no one's just going to, we're like, hey, it's a very personal song for us, and who knows which part's about who, I think there's a little bit of uh, shelter there. And even if you are vulnerable, people not knowing where to attach the vulnerability, so it's a lot easier, and you don't feel as like your rib cage is wide open. Right. I think when you're writing and it's your own stuff, 
Mm-hmm. It's only you. Right. Like what you're saying. Right. The feelings that people are feeling from you, that's all attached to you right. now. And I just, you know, I, when I say vulnerability, like it's like if you put it out there and it, it's you. Right. It's, it's now you. And do well, you there feel was that, that, I was going to say, there was a pretty, uh, I mean, there was a big shift and a lot of, I think just me trying to fully process like, oh, when I put a song out, when I quote record a song now, it doesn't say Florida Georgia Line, which is actually a brand that people, that I was probably guilty at times of just kind of saying, oh, no, that's an FGL song or that can be, I would justify maybe making certain decisions or maybe the quality wouldn't be up to par or something that maybe I wouldn't have potentially signed off on if it had said Tyler Hubbard. Does that make sense? So there's this yeah, extra and that, pressure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. now you have to... Your personal name is there. attached to something. I even considered, like, do I come up with a stage name? Do I do something? And I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to put my name on it. It's going to be my story. And it's, yeah, and there is going to be the added pressure, but I'm going to try to let that, you know, I'm going to try to channel that pressure into great music and uh, hopefully a deeper connection. I'm going to play some Away Home, but before I hit this one, this is one I'd like for you to kind of... Um, just elaborate a bit on the when you were in the room writing the song, what your what your what your point was in that room in creating the narrative and recording the song Way Home. Cool. Yeah, I mean this was a this was actually we talked about that moment where I decided that I was gonna make a project and then I wanted to start intentionally writing for me. And telling my story. This was one of the first songs that I wrote. I wrote it with Corey Crowder and Kanan Smith and we went to the lake for the weekend and we just sort of made it a, <clears throat> a goal to write a few songs that were um that would be for me you know so this was one of those and it really is uh very an autobiographical i mean very you know you don't have to 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 look too deep into understanding what the song's about and who i am and part of my childhood and how i was when i was younger and hopefully how i am now and you know where my headspace is at and where you know it feels a little bit more mature but um Again, it's it's really a first taste, in my opinion, of of the fans getting to uh, know more of my personal story, you know, and and where my head's at. So, uh, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was liberating writing, and it was cool to to start to to shift my perspective, my goal. I may be attaching too much to this, but you, when you say you know one of the first songs that you wrote when you're chasing just you and you're writing with Canaan, is that because again? Kanan feels safe and is a good writer. And you totally, hundred percent, and and that's why you wrote with him because you're like it's a big change and probably a little nervous, and probably a little yeah. Sp- and let's talk. Let's spend three days out at the lake. Let's talk about what this looks like. Let's let's not put too much pressure on ourselves, but let's be intentional. And Crowder's the same way. I mean, Kanan and Crowder are two of my closest buddies and my most highly respected songwriters in this town um, and producers. So. And I knew we would leave this lake with a great demo, a great song or two, and we did. We wrote three songs, and two of them made the album. So, uh, so yeah, it was very beneficial, but it, it was helpful to have those guys that that I could trust and that I could just you know just be real with the hard, the the easy, the fun, and and the tough. So it was uh it was great. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. 
plus direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or you like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered, travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like imagine you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things and financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. Here is Way Home. They say that life is a highway Now I put miles on mine More than one time I took the wrong two lane Just letting my horses run wild Yeah, I got long until I got found Will there be, again, it's you. I know faith is very important to you. Do you feel like there'll be a little more of that since it's your story and your story actually is a lot of faith and yeah, I mean, there's always been little nuggets of that within the FGL stuff because it's a big part of BK and I's story, right, together even. I mean, I met BK at a worship service where he was leading worship, you know, so that we've actually led worship together before. So um, so that was a big part. So I don't think it'll really change a whole lot, and there won't be a whole lot more. But, yeah, 
um, it's still a big part of my life and a big part of, of who I am and where my joy comes from. And so I, I love to sing about it and, and, you know, talk to the world about it. But uh, it'll still be dynamic, you know. I, I wanted this album to uh, to showcase all the sides of who I am, you know, and that is a big a big part of who I am. But uh, the more I've learned about myself, the more I've learned there's a, a lot of sides to who I am, you know, which is, is great as a creative and an artist to get to slowly showcase all those, you know, different sides and let people more into who I am. What's happened with you today so far? You wake up, what time did you wake up? Man, today was, uh, well, the kids and my wife are out of town, so it's different than typically I wake up like 6, but I slept in to like 7.30, which is pretty epic, and I was still able to have some me time, you know, in the morning. So, uh, so yeah, I had my coffee. I uh, probably just, I caught up on some emails. I probably got into my work a little quicker than I should have, but I uh, I was super sore, so I did a little stretch in the day and ran a little bit. I'm trying to get my cardio back up, so I did a little exercise, and then, uh, man, I just kind of chilled. This, this uh, Knocked out a few emails, had lunch, and came over here. Has it been, the, uh, let's, let's remove the pandemic, because I think for everybody that's just an odd right. situation. Has it been a bit more... I will use my, um, it's a lot more thinking than doing right now because you're strategizing what's coming up. Has mm-hmm. it been a lot more of that since you're not really traveling and touring yet than it would have been otherwise if you're still in FGL? A hundred percent, yeah. Because we're rebuilding something, you know? It's not something that we're just trying to maintain at this point. We're rebuilding, we're reestablishing, we're re-relationships, we're re-reputation, we're everything, you know? We're re defining who I am as now a 35-year-old married man with kids who is a songwriter and an artist, you know, um, as opposed to who I was with FGL, which was, quite frankly, <clears throat> a 25-year. It was 10 years ago, you know. It was, we were all, as we've, you can imagine how much growth happens in 10 years between 30, 25 and 35. But, uh, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been amazing because it really caters to my personality to have someone or a team that I can really strategize the nuts and bolts and the details of every movement, you know, every intention behind every release and every video and every, you know, what's the purpose? What's the narrative? What do we want to say? And all those kind of conversations were not conversations we ever had before. So for, so for me, it's like, oh man, this is highly, uh, this is highly efficient and effective way to, to do business. And, and it really speaks to my personality, my, my OCD attention to detail. And just, uh, maybe that's a control thing. I don't know, but it's nice to have a team that thinks and is aligned with me on that. And I was wondering where, and not that I thought Haley was coming with you, but I guess Haley and my wife had messaged, messaged something and, and she, was, she was like, Tyler's coming over to do a, and so I, th- I guess I thought she may come with you. I told Caitlin, I said, hey, let me come over too. So, But if they're out of town, that makes sense. She's not yeah. sitting in the car. I thought maybe lock her in until it was time to come out. <laughs> you cannot go to Bobby's house. It was, or, or she's just out there waiting for the call to come, <laughs> to come in. So three, uh, you got three kids now. You're obviously a dad. I guess my point is in Florida, Georgia line, you were 25. And even in your mind, like that's a 25-year-old person project. This is a 35-year-old person project. In Florida Georgia Line on stage, I I guess I didn't picture part of that unit as a dad. Right. Did you have songs? As a, I, listen, did, did you have any father songs with FGO? No. Okay, so I, my question is, you're more mature as an artist. Right. Is that going to be part of it a bit, just referencing the growth as an adult and having kids? I think underlying for sure, whether it'll be really directly. Um, 
you know, out there. I'm not sure. But I do think the fans will feel an evolution or a growth or a maturity. I've even had a fan. One of the coolest things that someone said recently to me was, thank you for your new music. I'm so glad you're doing this because it allows us to continue to grow with you. Because, yeah, when you when we were all coming up with your music and FGL and what y'all were doing, we were also kids and we were young and we were out wanting to go party and go to the bars and listen to FGL music. Well, now, you know, we're all, a lot of us are in the season that you're in where we, you know, we have young kids. We're exhausted. Life's got a little bit different perspective. We still want to go out and have a good time occasionally. So there's still going to be that, but there's more depth. There's more, you know, just inspiration from even our, from even my kids, you know, like <clears throat> Inside and Out, for example, is a song that's, not directly talking about my daughter, but I was definitely had her in the back of my mind when we were writing that song and just the beauty of, um, you know, the beauty that she has inside and out. And that's the message that we constantly want to tell her and the boys for that matter. But um, a message that maybe not everybody gets to hear. And yeah, there'll be, there'll be some more depth to it that hopefully makes an impact in the world for more than just, you know, selling beers and uh, having a good time. But there'll still be. This will be, that still, too, but. still be some beers. <laughs> uh, having a very public, personal life, again, it just goes back to, as a unit, it's different than, and everybody knew Tyler and BK, but they knew FGL more than they knew Tyler and BK. Right. People know Dan and Shay more than they know Dan. Right. You know, I'm very close to Dan, but Dan himself can kind of live a life. Mm-hmm. Dan and Shay can't. They're, right. they're mad. So, yeah. But here you are now, and you're solo, and you do have a personal life that's right. you know pretty public. Do you consider more of a spotlight on the direct Hubbards now? You know, we've talked about that, Haley and I, you know, and and I, I'd i be silly to think that it's not going to change a little bit for me now that it's like my name and my face and as opposed to, because a lot of times somebody might say, hey, there's Florida Georgia Line. It's like, well, actually, I'm not Florida Georgia <laughs> Line, but sure. So, yeah, I mean, I, I expect a little bit of a shift, you know, um, but also, we're trying to be intentional with, man, like, how much do we... Because it's so hard because our kids are such uh, bringers of joy for us. They give us so much joy, and they're so funny, and they're entertaining, and they're this and that. This. So we're always constantly, like, sending videos to our friends. We're wanting to post videos for the fans because it's just so entertaining, and, it, you know, everybody loves it. So we're trying to now find this, like, okay, well, we we need to be careful a little bit here because how much privacy do we want to have? Because we don't need to, you know, we need to keep some of this private. We need to, and we need to showcase what we want to showcase, but it needs to be again, intentional and thought out. And we don't need to just be, um, putting them on blast all the time. They don't know that, you know, they don't, they're not old enough to know. So anyways, um, again, it's something we're constantly trying to navigate and figure out. And, and, uh, we try to back off from that a little bit and just stick to, you know, the music and the branding and the purpose behind what we're doing. And, and Haley's got a, a you know, um, platform herself. And so she's, and it's around motherhood and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of overflow there with a personal life. And, but she's also kind of, especially lately, really trying to been, you know, trying to be focused more um, on outside things and outside people other than, other than our family and our kids. But we just love our family so much. It <laughs> makes it more difficult for sure. What do they know? How old's your oldest? The kiddos. Uh, our oldest is Liv. She's four. Okay, so she probably doesn't still grasp. But you would be fully. very surprised. I swear, sometimes I think she has a brain of a of a twenty five year old. It blows my mind. She probably grasps quite a bit more than a lot of four year olds. And I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be able to say that if I didn't have two boys to compare it to. So it's drastically different. So I'm like, okay. 
Um, but for her, I mean, um, like, in, what do you in tell what context? Like what, like, like what dad does. Oh, yeah. But also who these people are. Right. Because if you're somewhere and somebody that she doesn't know comes up to you, like this is all normal to her, but it's not right. normal. Right, right, right. So how do you have that conversation? Yeah. Um, well, everything is is exactly that, just a conversation, right? And I try to keep it simple for her, but I try to inform her because she's super intuitive and also really aware, like way more than I ever thought about being. But Haley's more like that. So she's really... And sometimes I don't even have to tell her. She just gets it. She just knows, like, oh, yeah, they're a fan of Daddy's music. Oh, yeah. And they know, they've known for years that Daddy writes songs and Daddy plays shows and Daddy makes music. That's what Daddy does. And so they're super proud of that. They love my music, which makes me feel good. But they're, um, they've also become kind of my, I mean, they'll tell me if they don't like a song, too. So they're kind of like my A&R team, uh, <laughs> unsolicited uh, opinions. But, um but it's great, and and right now it's it's a really a, a fun season where we hadn't had to navigate too too much of that, you know, um, the fame thing. I mean, honestly, the pandemic really protected us and allowed us to live a very very normal, <laughs> simple, just you know, um, life. Um, but I think now that we're getting back on tour, they'll be and she's getting a little older, and um, but a lot of it just comes with living life she's super observant and just having conversations and she'll ask the questions when she does, when she wants to know something she'll ask so it's really just being prepared to, to know how to answer <laughs> this festival and concert season will be all about the boots and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring You're talking about men's boots women's boots um, apparel hats bags and more all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacovas store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah, that's what the whole store basically is: fresh leather, yep. friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson... How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. What does more music coming out this year mean? What does that mean? Like, what, um, 
well, I'm going on this fall tour. I know I need more than three songs out to play, and I probably won't be able to put all the songs out that um that I'll be playing on the tour, but I'd love to have some more. So we're going to put some more songs out throughout the fall and just keep them coming. And then we're going to, um, as of now at least, the plan is to put to put an album out in the beginning of next year. So will you play songs, and I guess you're going to have to, but let me ask the question like a dummy. Will you play songs that aren't out? Yeah, yeah. That, I'll, play, I'll play a few for sure. 60 Minutes? Yeah. If you only got three songs out right. of four. I mean, unless you're playing like the big <clears throat> Dave Matthews band Jam Fish jam right. style song, you know. So version. I think I'm going to have like eight or nine. I'm going to try to have like eight songs out. Um, by the ho- time. Hopefully, I don't know if it'll be right when tour starts, but anyways, it'll be it'll be top of fall, you know, at some point in there. And then uh, just so I can have some more familiarity. But even though songs will be brand new, they probably won't be known. So it'll be different for sure, playing songs that people hadn't heard. <laughs> So, and we're getting close to, to time here, and I appreciate you hanging out and talking for an hour. Um, what does indefinite, what's the term you guys use? Indefinite hiatus? What's, what was the official With term? With FGL? Yeah, because I'm sure you, uh, you sat my, in a room. Or my not, official, not, my yeah. official uh, thing was we're not breaking up, we're just taking a break, you know, um, which, was, which it is that. But at the same time, um, you know, these careers that we've chosen to pursue don't happen overnight. You know, it's not like you're just going to, there's a building process and there's a, there's a journey that happens if you want to pursue a, uh, launching a, a different career and so, or another career. Um, so yeah, for me, I mean, I told BK, you know, let's, we're going to give this a hundred percent and we're going to both build something great and then we can reassess when, the, when, you know, five, 10 years down the road, we can Five, reset. 10 years. But I'm not talking, yeah. But for me, this is the thing that I'm going to be doing for uh, for a while. You, you get know? a million bucks to play a wedding together? Uh, if uh, Probably not. Probably not right now. It's that important to you, and I'm not saying it is or isn't, but I'm just, it's that important to you to really focus on the Tyler Hubbard. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because, um, and, I ha- and I have had to turn down some dates because, if you don't cut it off completely, that'll always be there, and it always can creates more um, confusion for the fans. They don't know what's going on. They think, you know, and not, oh, it's multiple. There's multiple things to it. Um, at this point, I needed to fully fully stop one thing to be able to fully focus on another um, because it really does take all the capacity that I have, <laughs> all the creativity, all the schedule, all the time. Um, because yeah, that wedding date that you just mentioned, there would have been something that popped up that I needed to go do that I would have had to say no to last minute or, you know what I mean? Just something. And so, um, so yeah, we've just decided to, um, completely push pause on all that starting in September is our last FGL date. And then we're, Oh, you're still playing shows. Yeah. We're playing FGL shows through the summer festivals that we've committed to got on the books and we kind of wanted to get to play some shows before we. Well, I commend you guys for sticking with that. I mean, I know contractually, but uh, still. We wanted, to, we thought we were going to get to do more, honestly, and we ended up having to cancel some tours, and it was trying to get back into it after the pandemic was hard for us. So to to get to have some shows for closure was imp- was important, you know. Will you do a final show for us and the fans? Will you do a purposeful final show? Uh, like this is it, final yeah, show. Yeah, the last one will be the last one. I don't know, but, it, but it's like it's like a scheduled show. We'll have a special already. long hug. Yeah, uh, you guys get along right now. Yeah, completely. I mean, yeah, we don't hang out on the weekends. Uh, but yeah, we when we get together and play shows, it's just like all right, here we, you know. And you guys still hang? 
a yeah. bit. I, like like my show, we don't hang out. I mean, we both literally we both have our own bus. Right. Bef- even before all, I mean, for the last five years, it's really not like we. You know, I don't go antiquing with BK. I don't completely go, get it. it my, show, we, my show has been together 13 years, right? It's so important to have each other. Where we used time. to hang out all the time, we right. don't anymore because we're together all the time. Right. That's how we. That's exactly how it was is with BK and I. And then now that we live in different states, you know, it's 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 not like it used to be where we're hanging out all. We used to live in the same house together, right? So, so yeah, it's shifted, but uh, and we're both in different seasons of life. But ultimately, um, BK is my bro, and I love him, and we've you know created a lot of life together and uh when we get back together and play shows it's it's a good time for sure i get off that I'll, I'll, my final part of this is a lot of people and you probably heard it yourself say those guys do not like each other that's why they split up or it was yeah. or it was political right you know i'm sure you've heard that too and if i don't ask this people are going to kill me online no so part, ask part it. i'm this. glad you are was it a political division that caused you guys to go we can't do this as a unit anymore I'm so glad you asked because nobody does ask. And the problem is, um, at the time, we didn't want to talk about what was going on internally. Or I should take that back. BK did not want to talk about what was going on. I wanted to talk about the shifts that were happening, the decisions that were being made, the conversations that were being had. I really in America wanted to or the inform- band? Sorry, in the band, within the band. But, but I also wanted to respect BK's desire not to talk about it. And so... It, I didn't feel like it was my place to tell his story with his decision and his, you know, everything that, <clears throat> you know, he's the one that initiated this whole solo thing in the first place. So I didn't feel like it was my job to, <laughs> or my responsibility. Um, and so basically nothing got said. So it created confusion in which everyone started creating their own narrative at that point to have something to try to f- understand why in the world would these guys not be, you know, why would they want to go do their own thing? And so at the time, it was in the middle of the big political. It was actually literally around the same time that the um, that the uh, election happened and all that. And so that was kind of people just said, "Well, it's political," you know. Um, but ultimately, no, it was never political. Me and BK don't. I mean, we definitely don't see eye to eye on every single thing, but we don't have any animosity about it. You know what I mean? We totally agree to disagree on certain things. We talk about it. We've never had. Any beef over any kind of politics, I'd la- I mean, I literally, I'm personally not a political person, so it kind of is just sort of humorous to me. And we've never, up until the election, we never even had any conversations about politics. Did so, you hear that? That was a thing. Did you hear that people were going, you guys were fighting? Oh, I would see it all the time. I still do because people say, why are they breaking up? And then someone else will say, oh, it's political. And I'm like, which kind of bothers me. I've just sort of decided like not to let it bother me. But I'm like, because they got to they gotta, um, blame it on something. Other than they can't just say, oh, the guys really just want to have some individuality and do something different. They've been doing this for 10 years. <laughs> like, um, so, so yeah, I mean, we can blame it on that if we want to. But ultimately, uh, it does bum me out because I'm like, no, that's not the narrative. That's not the story. Um, and, and quite honestly, I don't, I don't care enough about politics to let it affect my life, especially my career. So I was, uh, you know, I was a little bummed that that was a narrative, but at the same time, again, like I said, I didn't feel like it was my place to to butt in. But when anybody will ask me, I'll gladly talk about it. So, thank a m- you. million bucks, no wedding. You hear that, Mike? <laughs> I heard that. I'll go with BK and do it. I'll just be Tyler. We could do it. Yeah, you and I'll do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'll dude. pass it to you Holy guys. Holy crap! <laughs> uh, all right. Well, listen, I you know I, I commend you for <laughs> a million bucks, no wedding. I love that. That's what stood out. 
Well, I mean, I mean, hey, it's still, that, it's still that, resonating. You that know? question is, you know, is this a line of, all right, that's that. This is this. We're not mudding the water. And that's a great waters. way to ask it. Hey, million dollars? Yes or no? <laughs> and the answer you know, was wedding? probably not. I'm like, all right, well, I get it. You are Adver- completely dedicated. If it's after September, yeah. nope. Uh-oh. Uh, call uh, me. Call me on the personal number, and I'll come for half. Add Tyler Hubbard. Um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And you know, you know as well as I do, people are going to pick up that back part of that, especially, and that's going to be in lots of places. Going, hey, he said it wasn't political. Um, I think that's good. Yeah, I think I that's. Think a, so. I think that's a Thank good you thing. For asking that, yeah. And so. Good luck, man. I, I, Thanks, it's, dude. it's cool to see. You definitely could have just gone, you know, I'm good for a while. I'm going to chill. Yeah. I tried were. that, bro. Oh, you did? <laughs> I literally did. I'm like, I'm just going to write songs and literally just chill with my family. And but then, what, what was what was itching? What, what, that, was it dude, to get on a stage? Was it to it was, sing? Was, it was, was to it? make it. It was to... See if you could do it by yourself? It was all the above. It was to tell my story, to see if I could do it by myself, to record songs that I loved and, and you know, mix and master songs that I love and have a project and then yeah I miss touring like crazy and and so uh, yeah all those things that I thought I could do without for about six months I realized pretty quickly no that's a big piece of the puzzle that that's what that's part of what makes songwriting so much fun you know it's also and we'll end on this it's gonna be a fun humble not that you need it but I've had it in a way too of you having to be you're the second act you're now the guy that they didn't buy tickets to see nope you know and you have to kind of win them over yep and that's kind of a new world that you've seen for acts that you've brought on. Mm-hmm. And now you got to go back and do it. And it's just getting to appreciate that again. Because once you're in it, you're like, oh, dang. I, you know, right. for me to have like my own radio show or TV show, and then for me to have to drop down and go and be on American Idol is not the main. Right. I, I'm, sec- I'm the second line. It's Ryan and Luke and Katie and Lionel. Then it's me. And it's like, Oh man, this is not what I'm used to. It's kind of humble pie, is big, good, every and now it's then. great. But yeah. it's like, yeah, it's I had to adjust and go. Well, this ain't about me, and that's weird. But it was yeah. great for me, yeah, because it's perspective that I lost a bit when I was only worried about, yeah, running the show, right. So uh, it's good, man. I'm 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 super pumped for you. Thanks, dude. You know your song is doing really well right now. I, I looked at it before yeah. you came over. I think it's in the maybe like 19 or 20 or 21 yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, are you watching it? Low 20s. No, I just look at my weekly update that I get, which is That's just, just That's- enough just enough to know what's going on but not to get obsessed with it. Cuz yeah. yeah, it will it could oh, I can see it overtaking what my What number brain. will you get obsessed with it? 15? Uh, is that when you start to go? Uh, no, six? Prob- probably top 10, probably right. 6, yeah, cuz then you know, well, some more requests. There's going to be some work tied to the rest of this this pool here. So, yeah. All right, you guys follow Tyler at Tyler Hubbard. Uh, three songs out now, but as he said, it'll keep coming, and then he'll be out with Keith uh, this fall. That's it. You're doing yeah. it. You're doing it, and it's a different stage, and I'm super excited for well, you, man. it's an honor coming here and hanging out with you. It's always fun. Thanks for chatting with me, and uh, thanks for the support, dude. It means a lot. Reed, anything you want to say to Tyler? Oh, shit. You've been, you've been, Ty, Reed's a big, you know, music guy. He runs all the digital, but he usually has a question he's been just itching to ask. All right, let's see here. Hit me. Um, how often do you find yourself uh, recording at home? Like, do you have a home studio? Or? I do. Um, that comes in waves for me. Does it really? You know, I'll take a few weeks off, um, and then I'll, you know, I'll feel creative and want to get on there and make tracks and try to record some demos. Um, but just enough for me not to get good enough to want to do it on the regular basis because I'm, <laughs> there's so many great guys in this town that it's, you know, it's it can be 
frustrating because um, they make it look so easy and yeah. it's not always that easy. So, But I do enjoy like tracking vocals and getting to, to kind of have that outlet if I want. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I like had, it, Reed. Good I, job. I've had five foot. I'm jealous of this. For sure, too. You have? I have. That's, Dude, that cool. was the first song Thanks, I listened bro. to. I just got a new vehicle. Oh, I'm not trying to flex or anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's got a new whip. Yeah, it's awesome. pretty, yeah, pretty much. All right, Tyler. Good to see you, buddy. You too, bro. Thank you.